And uh, please could the rest of us turn in our Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 8. And uh, verse 16, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 16, this is found on page 1150 in the Church Bibles. And just while you're finding that, I'd just like to say thank you to those who prayed uh, for me and Vicky while we were away last week. It wasn't actually a holiday, it was actually, although it was a nice place, Cornwall, it was actually a working week. Um, uh, we were helping a church down there in, in, in Cornwall, at Newquay Baptist Church. And um, so I was speaking morning and evening last Sunday, and then I did the midweek meeting as well. And I did have an opportunity as well to spend a bit of time on an individual basis with the uh, three, three of the key men in the church. Um, so it was quite, I found it quite tiring, actually, quite hard work. Um, but um, we, you know, did sense God's blessing, God's help uh, with the preaching, and um, I, I like to hope that the conversations that I had with the with the three men privately were helpful as well. Uh, do pray for the church. It's it's been through a very sad and difficult time. The um, the, the um, members of the church or, or the, the the leading men in the church felt it necessary to ask the um, previous pastor to resign because of um, what they felt was, was, was misconduct on his part. So he did resign in the summer. Um, and the, you know, dealing with all the fallout from that has been really quite difficult for the church. So uh, do, do pray for, uh, for, the, um, for that situation, that God would grant his peace and blessing and that God would build the work up again. Well, let's now come to... Um, this passage. So, Second Corinthians, chapter eight, and verse sixteen, page one thousand one hundred and fifty in the Church Bibles. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother, who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has also been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honourable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them, 
we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Well, let's now come to God and ask for him, his help as we consider his word. Oh Lord God, we do want to thank you for this opportunity that we have this morning to consider your word. And Lord, I do pray that you would help me to be able to bring your word with clarity and in a helpful way. And Father, we pray that you would please speak to each one of our hearts. And Lord, if we need to um, change anything in our attitudes, if we need to change anything in our behavior, uh, Lord, we pray that you will cause that to happen. If we need to be encouraged and strengthened in our faith, we pray that that will happen as well. So please, Lord, do be at work now, we pray. And bless also the children in their Sunday school class. Please, Lord, speak to them and help them, cause them to hear your word, cause them to come to Christ, and, to, and those who know Christ already to grow in their knowledge of him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in this passage which we read this, this morning, uh, we learn uh, how Paul uh, took steps to see that the gift that he was administering, that he was bringing to the church from the churches uh, in, 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 in what we would now call Greece, uh, to Jerusalem, that that was administered in a good and right way. He went to very great lengths to ensure that the money was handled honestly and with full accountability in order to make sure that nobody could say that he'd pocketed some of the money and he was misusing it. And so he describes in, in, in these verses the great lengths to which he went. He put himself uh, to very considerable inconvenience in order to do this. He also enlisted the help of others who made long and dangerous journeys in order to help in order to make sure that nothing, there could be no accusation brought against him that he'd somehow embezzled the funds or that he was somehow misusing the money. Now, if we perhaps want a verse to sum up what uh, the apostle is talking about in, uh, the, in this section, I think it would be 
it would be uh, verse, um, verse 21, where he says, For we aim at what is honourable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. He knew that as he handled this gift, he would do so honestly and without taking any of the money or mistreating any of the funds or anything. But he wanted it to be absolutely clear to anybody who was looking on that he was dealing with the money in an honest way and godly way. Uh, Paul was in the spotlight. He knew he was in the spotlight. He knew that he was a public figure. He was he was known as a Christian. He was known as an apostle. So if somebody could say about him, ah, oh, this man's a crook, this man's embezzling money. This would have an effect not just upon him personally, but it would bring his whole ministry into disrepute and it would bring the whole cause of Christ into disrepute. It would cause really severe damage to come to the, the whole message that he proclaimed. And so he took very great lengths to make sure that, that uh, he handled uh, the, 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 the funds that he was going to be uh, given in an honest and upright way. Now, uh, we can, I think we can divide what we... The, 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 the passage or what we're thinking about this morning into two main sections under two main headings first of all he made sure that the funds were gathered in an honest and in a good way and secondly he made sure that the funds having been gathered were transported to Jerusalem in an honest and good way and in such a way as nobody could question what was done. And so let's think about this under these two headings and, and I hope that as we do so, we can learn not only about how funds should be handled today and, but also that the Lord can speak to us about our lives generally. Because remember, we're all of us on show as Christians. And the devil is going to want to try to get us all to trip up in one way or another. And we need to live our lives just as the Apostle Paul did. That verse that he's there in verse, chapter, verse 21 of chapter 8 we aim at what is honourable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. We need to apply that to ourselves. And we need to be very careful as we go out our daily lives that we don't cause people to, to stumble. That we don't cause a scandal for the gospel. Because you and I, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
You've got the name of Jesus on you. You've got the honor of the gospel on you, and I have as well. We're on show. We're on display. You might not think it, but people are watching you. So if you behave in a way which causes scandal, which they say, Ooh, that's terrible. That person's done that. Then that could bring terrible dishonor on the name of Christ and terrible dishonor on the gospel. So I hope that, that we will, all of us, think about how this can apply to us in general terms as well. Now, so... Uh, First of all, then, we see that Paul made sure that funds were raised in a right way. And and for this, I I would turn your attention to to verses 16 and 17. He says, But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but himself, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. Now, why did Paul find it necessary to send Titus to the church in Corinth? Well, the answer, I think, is this. I think it's clear as we as we look at the passage as a whole, and as we look at bits before and bits after, basically what had happened was that the church in Corinth had agreed that it was going to raise a certain sum of money to give to the church in Jerusalem. And they, they, you know, Paul had mentioned this need to the church quite some time ago, you can see evidence of it in, chapter, in the first letter to the Corinthians that, about this collection. So it's been a quite a long-term project. So they said, yes, when they heard about the need of the church in Jerusalem, the famine that they were suffering and the poverty they were suffering, this church, the church in Corinth said, yes, yes, we want help. We will we'll, we'll dig into deep into our pockets and we will come up with a big gift. But Paul could sense that they'd rather lost their, 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 their enthusiasm had somewhat run out of steam and there was a danger that where they had said yes we will make a big gift actually when he turned up to receive the gift there wouldn't be anything there which would have been embarrassing for the church in Corinth and it would have been uh, would have put them to shame against the other churches that had, had given, but also it would mean that he, there would be nothing to give to the, to the, to the, to the church in, 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 in Jerusalem. And so he, he wanted to send uh, Titus in advance before he came uh, to uh, Corinth uh, to make sure that um, that the, the, this, this gift that he had promised uh, to the church that he promised by the church in Corinth uh, was ready. But he needed to have the right person to send. He needed to have somebody who on the one hand would remind the believers in Corinth about the promise that they'd made and would encourage them and would, 
would strengthen them and help them to to fulfill this thing which which they'd promised to do. But also it needed to be somebody who wouldn't sort of like browbeat them and bully them and, and uh, you know, uh, manipulate them and, 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 and mistreat them. But that he would be somebody who would treat them with gentleness and with, with respect and with love and uh, would encourage them in the right way to come forward uh, with this gift. And so he sent this man, Titus. Now, Titus, we know from, from the book of Acts and from, from this letter and from other sources, Titus was, was a really good friend of the Apostle Paul. He was a, he was a, a, he'd been a tremendous helper in the work, an effective servant of God, and somebody who, who has really been useful in the work of outreach. But Paul said, no, we must send this man. Now look at what he says about Titus in verses 16 and 17. He says that God put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. And then he said, he not, for he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. Now that word earnest there, it actually literally means uh, quick. It's used um, in um, Luke chapter 1, verse 39. Do you remember when, when Mary was told about how she was going to bear uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when she had, when the angel had had, had announced to her that she was going to, she was going to um, bear the Lord Jesus Christ, and the angel had mentioned to her that Elizabeth was going to bear, was was in her old age, and she was going to bear a, a baby, which of course turned out to be John the Baptist. Uh, in Luke one thirty nine, it says that in those days Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a, a town in Judah. So uh, she, she, she hurried, she, she was quick in going to, uh, uh, to, 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 to visit Elizabeth. Now this word also we've seen in, in 2 Corinthians used in a more uh, spiritual sense, a more sense in terms of, of keenness to do what is right. If you go back to chapter 7 and verse 11, uh, we read there about the, the believers, how they had a godly repentance. And he says, see what earnestness, that's the same word, this, what speed, what diligence, this godly grief has produced in you. And also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, uh, what, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you've proved yourself innocent in this matter. And then verse 12. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered wrong, but in order that the, your earnestness, that's the word again, for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Your earnestness, your keenness, your diligence to do what's right. We also have it again in chapter 8 and verse 7. He says, since you excel in everything, in speech, in knowledge, 
and in all earnestness. And in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. This earnestness, this keenness to do what is right, this speed. Um, There are some people, and I'm not one of them, (laughs) I wish I was, but there are some people who are really gifted administratively. And you say to them, you know what, Um, this thing needs to be done. And the person says, oh, they sort of picks up with their ear, they jot it down in their notebook, and then, like, the next day it's done. Wow, that was quick. They're speedy. They're earnest. They're, 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 They're diligent. They get the job done. Now, this is what Titus was. He's the sort of guy who gets the job done, but not so much in terms of materially, but spiritually. He can see a need to love. He gets it done. He can see a need to grow in holiness. He gets it done. He can see a sin that needs to be conquered. He gets it done. He's not a, he's not a lackadaisical Christian. You know, not a sort of laid-back Christian. You know, oh, well, we'll just get to heaven one day. It doesn't really matter about my sins. I'll just sort them out one day. No. He's on top of the game. And he's dealing with sin in his life. And he's, and he's, he's, he's somebody who is keen to be loving, keen to do the right thing. And so, because he was keen to do the right thing, Paul perhaps talked to him about, oh, you know, I'm a bit worried about church in Corinth. Hmm. They, were, they were so keen at first to produce this gift, but now... You can tell they're dragging their feet a bit and you can, I've got a, I'm a bit worried that when I turn up, there's going to be nothing there. And from what Paul is saying, Titus said, yeah, well, I'll go. I'll sort them out in, in the right way. He would, he would, he would go along and he would, he would get this gift together. Now, just before we move on, let me just ask you, just as a challenge for you and a challenge for me, what is your approach to your own growth in holiness as a Christian. I'm assuming I'm speaking to Christians now. Most of us here would say we are Christians. What's your approach to your own growth in love for the Lord, your own growth in love for other Christians, your own growth in obedience to Christ? Do you have that keenness, that zeal, that that diligence? Ah, there's a there's a sin now I've got to conquer see you okay I'm on the case I'm going to do it or do you say oh well one day I'll do something about it no we mustn't be like that we must have this the same diligence that uh, that Titus showed and indeed that the believers in Corinth actually showed according to what we read there earlier so Paul sent this good man who, who really was on top of the game spiritually, in order to make sure that when this, this, this uh, gift was raised in the church in Corinth, it was raised in the right way. See, Paul's been laying the framework here. He's been talking about how people should give, but they should give willingly, not under a sense of compulsion, not, not with an arm twisted up behind their back. There shouldn't be any sense of, oh, you've got to pay your tax for God. No, no, not at all. 
he encouraged them to to give freely, to give gladly, to give generously. And he needed a representative on the ground who would have this sort of approach, who wasn't going to browbeat the Christians, wasn't going to bully them, wasn't going to force them to do what they didn't want to do, but would encourage them in the right way to, to actually put their, as it were, their money where their mouth was and to come up with that and, and to fulfill the promise that they'd made to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to make this giving, make this gift. Now, we can, I think we can learn from this. Uh, we can learn from this in terms of those of us who seek to raise funds and also those of us who receive requests for funds. So, first of all, those of us who seek to raise funds. You know, it's not wrong to seek to raise funds. I mean, Paul here was seeking to raise funds. He wasn't raising funds for himself. He's raising funds for another, for, for another church situation. But he's very clearly and very obviously... That's what he's doing. He's, laying, he's saying, look, there is a need there. There are these Christians who are in need. You've got some resources. Look, use some of your resources to help these other believers in need. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But it's very, very important that the raising of funds is done in an honest way and in such a way as respects people's Freedom to make the right choice before God. Now, there are all sorts of methods that people are, who are, are used to raise funds in a very underhand and wrong way. And I'm sure many of us will be aware of these things. I'm sure many of us had letters from various so-called evangelists who tell us that, oh, they must have this this money so that they can buy this aeroplane for themselves, or they can they can they can finance this 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 mansion and oh you really do need to help with this. Or perhaps you get you get um you get messages from others who who claim to be working in a certain area and they, they have these these cleverly taken photographs of people who are in need but actually, you've got a pretty good idea that the money that they're claiming is going to go to those poor orphans or whatever actually is going to line their pockets. And, 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 and they are uh, they're going about things in a wrong and dishonest way. Now, so those of us who, who seek to raise funds, uh, we need to do so in an honest way. Maybe we might one day, we might, you know, we might... If we do stay in this building and we do decide that we're going to try to do up the building, we might well perhaps at some point need to, for example, write to our friends in the church, from the you know, former members and friends and so on, and say, look, I wonder if you'd like to contribute, like to, to um, you know, dig into your pockets and help. But we must be very, very careful if ever we do, we do that, to do it in an honest way and in such a way as, as does not try to manipulate people or uh, does not um, present things differently from what they really are. But then also there is an application for those of us who receive funds. So who receive requests for funds. 
you do need to have discernment. Um, we've said previously that, that the money that we have belongs to the Lord, and that's true. And when you're giving, you might say, well, I'm giving to the Lord, and I don't really mind where it goes, but actually that's not, that shouldn't, we shouldn't have that attitude. The Lord has made you a steward of the income and wealth that you have, such as it is, some have more, some have less. And he wants you to exercise what we might say due diligence about where it goes. You need to think, okay, is this communication that I'm getting honest? Um, what's, the, what, what, what's the government structure of this charity or this organization? How much does the chief, the chief pastor get? What's his income? Um, how much is actually going to land up in the, with, with the people that he says it's going to land up? Do some research. You say, oh, well, that sounds a bit, I'm not being very trusting. Well, unfortunately, there are crooks out there. And you need to exercise due care to make sure that, that what you have, uh, what the, 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 you're giving is directed to, uh, to those who, who are true and, and, and who will handle what you've got in, a, in an honest and right way. And quite often you can detect in the sort of literature you get, the sort of, you know, there's a super, you know, in things that are not right, you can often detect a superficiality, not, there's not really a proper explanation of what's happening. Oh, click on this button. Uh, send this for me but without any real proper explanation. So we do need to be careful, those who give. Now, so Paul was, was very careful in the way to, to make sure that the funds were raised in the right way. And then having raised the money, he was very careful to make sure that what was raised would be then transported carefully to... Jerusalem, and he, he did in such ways to make sure that it would be uh, unquestionable what he did. Now let's now look at verses 18 to 24. With him, that is with Titus, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we've often tested and found earnest in many matters, but is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow brother, worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches for the glory of Christ. Now, so what's going on here? Well, basically, Paul has, is, is anticipating that there's going to be a very, very large gift hoping that that's going to happen. There's going to be a large gift that comes from 
this church in Corinth and the churches in Macedonia as well. He doesn't want anybody to be able to accuse him or even to suggest that some of that money lands up in his own pocket. So what has he done? Well, first of all, as we've already seen, he's asked Titus to go to Corinth to get the gift ready. And Titus will go with Paul uh, to Jerusalem. But then also, he said to the sending churches who are giving the gift, could you find somebody from your congregation, somebody whom you trust, who is a godly man, so that he will personally travel to Corinth and to, to Philippi and these other places to collect the gifts, and then he personally will accompany Paul and, and, and Titus to Jerusalem. So there'll be actually a minimum of four of them altogether. Paul, Titus, and then these, these at least two representatives from the different churches who are chosen by the, by the churches to make sure that every coin is counted out when they, when they collect the money and then every coin is counted out when they deliver the money. Nothing is missing. All is there and all is handed over uh, to the relevant people. Now, just look a little bit at these, these two individuals that, that are chosen. Again, these are very, very senior, very able, very godly Christians. So, the first one, whom we'll call person A, is described in verses 18 and 19. He says, with him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. Well, this is a great evangelist. A real man of God, a man who's been greatly used by God. And not only that, he says, but he's appointed, been appointed or chosen by the churches or as we, to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself to show and to show our goodwill. So here's this, this really able and really godly Christian who is put onto this task. Now this task, this whole journey, I mean in those days of course you're travelling on foot, perhaps 20 miles a day, and then you, you, when you got to the sea you'd then have a long and slow and difficult journey by sail. So the whole journey I should imagine would have probably taken a round trip, would have probably taken something like six months, maybe more. And there's a risk of, of being attacked by bandits, the risk of shipwreck, all sorts of dangers. But Paul considered that it was worth, as it were, taking this evangelist off the front line, re relieving him of his gospel preaching duties. So important was it to, to make sure this gift was handled properly, he would, he would then put him onto this duty of transporting the gift to, uh, to Jerusalem. And then uh, we, we then also go to um, person whom we call person B. If you look at verse, um, verse 22, 
And with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters. But now he's more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. Now, so here's this another believer, another senior believer, another one who's been chosen by the churches but also has got Paul's approval, who's been tested He's, he's, he's given opportunities and, and opportunities to show himself to be faithful and he's, he's kept the test and he's been found to be earnest in many matters. Now that's that same word again, this word diligent. On, on top of the game. Somebody who, who, is, who, is, who is dealing with, with sin and dealing with, with, with ungodliness in his life, who is, who is promoting love in his life, here is this diligent Christian. And we, we're sending him also. So, so these two others are going to accompany Titus to Corinth in order to collect the funds. Uh, so, and then Paul will follow them when they've managed to collect the funds. And then Paul will accompany these, these two other men, these three other men altogether uh, to Jerusalem. And the reason, well, as we said at the beginning of our talk, let's go back to, uh, to verses 20 and 21. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. We don't want anybody to be able to be... To be to, we want to make it absolutely impossible for anybody to say that there's been any corruption, any misuse of funds, anything else. Like that. He he he's, he he goes to great lengths to see that everything is done in a right way, so that uh, nobody can point a finger. Because that would be so damaging for himself, and not just for himself, so damaging for the cause of Christ, so damaging for the gospel if that was to happen. Now, um, it's, thinking, it's thinking behind this that's led us here in the church to put in certain practices in the way that we handle finances. And, and you, know, I, I'm, you know, sometimes people said, oh, why do you want to do that? You know, that's, that's, that's a bad use of manpower. But no, we, because we've got to be very careful to make sure that we that we do things in a, in a way which cannot be questioned. So, for example, the safe at the back there, we have two separate keys held by two individuals. In fact, one of them is in, is in the master safe, and that master safe can itself only be opened by two separate individuals. One's got one key, it's got two keys, one key for the, for the cupboard door, one's got the key for the safe. So only two individuals can open the master safe and then they can then get the key to open the letterbox safe where people put their, their any, any donations. And they both count the money, any money that's in the, in, the, in the letterbox safe and they both have to sign for, for that money. Then they both they put the money into the safe here, into the master safe. And then if, if there's any cash sales, very, very few cash, cash um, transactions, but if there's a cash transaction... Again, the two separate key holders have to go to the, to the master safe. They get out the, the cash book. They write in the cash book the amount that's, 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 um, 
that's given out, and they both sign. And then when, when the money has to be transferred to the, to, the, to the bank, again, the two separate key holders go to the, to the safe, and the two of them together accompany the money to the bank. They get a written receipt from the bank. And you say, well, that's a bit of a waste of time. That's, what, you, surely, don't you trust the treasurer? Don't you trust so-and-so? Of course we do. Of course we do. But we do it, we do it in such a way as, as nobody could possibly imagine that there's anything fiddling going. And then, of course, also at the end of the year, there's a tally. What's come in, what's gone out, what's left in the safe now? And, you know, you make sure that all the figures agree. And then, of course, as regards bank transactions, again, uh, as with many charities, we have a, a dual signatory for the bank so that, you know, any, any expenditure, you can't be just one person authorizes it. You know, there has to be an email. Can we do so-and-so? Yes, I or another deacon says. And then there's, there's two signatories on the check to make sure that, you know, it's not one person who's just making that decision. Well, that's a long-winded. Yes, it is long-winded. But it needs to be done so as to, uh, to make sure things are, are done. Then, and then receipts are kept for every transaction. Uh, when the accounts are, 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 are done, the, 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 the transaction is noted on the system, and the same transaction number is noted on the, on the receipt, on the, on, 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 the, on the invoice, so that any person who wants to check through the accounts can say, okay, that was what was paid, that was, that was the invoice for that. So it's all perfectly tied up. Oh, it's, but yes, it's hard work, but it's got to be done because we must make sure that, that, um, that everything is, 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 is above board. And then the accounts are externally checked by somebody who's totally un- unrelated to the church, and then the accounts are published to the members of the church, uh, and uh, anybody, in fact, anybody can see them if they want to see them. So... Uh, we need to make sure that, we, that we, we do this and we need to make sure that we maintain this so that, that, that nothing could be questioned. Because if it started to be said, oh, you know, that Poplar Baptist church, you know, there's, there's embezzlement going on, the damage that could be done would be enormous. So that's what we need to do in terms of, of how we organize ourselves. But again, I'd say to you, as you know, as somebody who gives, I trust many of us are giving to, to charities and to causes, not just to the church here, but you're giving to, to other church. But So if you want to give to a charity, ask to see the accounts of that charity. Or you're giving to a church, ask to see the accounts. Anybody can ask. You, should, you could ask. Anybody who's a donor has got an interest. So ask to see the accounts. Find out what the chief pastor has paid or the apostle, or whatever it is. Find out what he's paid. And if they won't tell you, ask why not. Find out what his wife is paid. Find out what his son is paid. Find out what his daughter is paid, if they're employed by the church. Ask if there are other expenses that are paid. House expenses, uh, car expenses. Ask these questions. Don't be afraid to ask these questions. There's nothing wrong with asking these questions. In fact... It would be irresponsible not to ask those questions and only give to those charities or churches that you are confident 
that the funds will be properly used. That's important for us to do uh, as, as our general, as, as our stewards of, of what God has given to us. So we've talked there about how Paul is very careful about the way funds are raised and also about, he's very careful about how funds are used once they have been raised and how they are transported. And, uh, but before we finish, I want to just generalize this because I said at the beginning that there's a principle here which applies not just to church's finances, but applies to us all. And let me just read that verse again. Our aim is, we aim at what is honourable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Let me ask you to consider before the Lord, is the way that you live honourable? Is it honourable before God? And is it honourable before man? Now, of course, some things we, we, we do as Christians, people will be offended by. We know that. You know, as, when you say, for example, that that homosexuality is a sin, people will be offended. And there's nothing you can do about that. Or if you say, I can't tell a lie, some people will be offended because they well, come on, just, 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 just fiddle the truth a little bit. It doesn't matter. But no, I can't do that. And they'll be offended with you. For righteousness sake. If, if, and, and, or you might say, well, this person, he calls himself a woman, but actually he's a man. And so you use the male... Um, uh, pronoun for him. <gasps> You've misgendered him! Or her, or whatever, it. No, well, they'll be offended with you because you've done well the right thing. You've, you've stuck to, to scripture. So there will be times when, of course, we will cause offence for righteousness' sake, but we need to make sure that any offence we cause is for righteousness' sake and not because we're actually bad. You know, if we actually get into trouble with the law, for example, because we've done wrong, well, then um, we 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 bring we we're in danger of being dishonour on the name of Christ. So um, Peter talks about how when when we do wrong, we must make sure that so when we're punished. We must make sure that we are punished uh, because of our obedience to Christ rather than because of some way in which we are actually doing wrong, which actually would cause an unbeliever to be scandalized. It has to be said, I'm sad to have to say this, I don't really like to say this, but it is true that there are professing Christians who are in prison. There was a case which we heard about recently, BBC News, devout Christian sentenced for murdering another Christian. Of course, probably the lady was not a real Christian at all, but that's, that's what's happened just recently, isn't it? 
probably seen it. In fact, the lady who was murdered used to attend um, uh, Forest Church, where, where David last, our, our good friend, is the pastor. I mean, these things happen, don't they? Uh, prison, uh, uh, church organist, uh, in prison for having interfered with, with the choir boy. These things happen, don't they? Pastor uh, uh, assaulted a teenage boy. Supposedly had him into his room for prayer, but actually he assaulted, sexually assaulted that guy. You know, we've had it just not far away from here. Pastor who, 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 who landed up in prison for, for assaulting a, a, a young boy. These things happen. I wish I didn't have to tell you, but it does happen. And, of course, when this happens, the press loves it, doesn't it? You know, the press, they, they say, oh, you know, they'll immediately, like the BBC article, devout Christian in the headline, you know, because they want to bring shame, because there's powers that lie behind these things. They want to bring shame on the gospel. So you and I need to be very, very careful Suddenly, you know, if you do something that's, that's, that, that people find scandalously wrong, suddenly your Christian profession comes into the news. <laughs> Nobody interested you're a Christian, but then suddenly, as soon as you do something, oh, you even something like swearing, oh, you're a Christian, you swore. Oh, you know. And, and, and or, or, you know, you, you maybe get angry with somebody, you know, you lose your temper at work, get frustrated, lose your temper. Ah, oh, you're supposed to be a Christian. Guess what so-and-so the Christian did today goes around work. Very quickly, doesn't it? So we've got to be so, so careful uh, in the way that we live. Not just in terms of finances we were talking about this morning, but in terms of our lives as Christians. We've got to be so careful that we don't behave in such a way as causes a scandal. Do you remember how Jesus warned us in Matthew 18? He said, he said, if anyone was to cause one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone hung round his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Um, verse, Matthew 18, verse 7. Woe to, woe to the world for temptations to sin. It is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom they come. So, We've got to be so careful. You see, that word scandal actually comes from the Bible. Um, the word, actually that verse, scandalos, means a stumbling. It's a stumbling stone, and that's how it's come into the English language. So, if you behave in such ways, people say, oh, well, that's Christianity for you. Oh! You're, call, you're putting a, stang, a stumbling block. You're putting a scandal in that person's way. Uh, something which he's going to give now of course if that person doesn't believe of course he, he doesn't believe because he doesn't want to believe but he'll use you as an excuse or my behaviour as an excuse ah oh, well they're all hypocrites blah 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 and we need to be careful not, so not just in terms of finances that's important we've talked about that but in terms of our lives generally the Christian should not behave in a way which even a non-Christian would say, oh, that's terrible. See, if a, if, a, if a Christian man 
cheats on his wife and runs off with a, with a, with a woman 20 years younger than him or with a schoolgirl. terrible. I wouldn't even, the non-Christians, I wouldn't even do that. I know I'm a, not, I'm, a, I'm a rough and tumble old bloke, but you know, to do that, no, 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 there's no way I'd do that. And so, and so it causes a scandal, it causes an offence. So let me ask you these questions to think about. How do you treat your, if you're married, how do you treat your spouse? Are you faithful to your spouse? If you've got children, how do you treat your children? Do you treat your children kindly and fairly and right? If you've got parents who are still alive, how do you treat your parents? Do you show your parents respect? How do you treat your neighbours? Do you have a disagreement with your neighbour? Are you polite and respectful and... Or, you know, do you have a slanging match with your neighbour because of, I don't know, the music's a bit loud or something? Be careful. Because what you do will be reported. How do you spend your money? Do you spend your money in a self-indulgent way? Enjoying your luxuries? How do you conduct yourself at work? Are you a good, honest, straightforward employee? Or are you always... Causing trouble for the other employees and being a cantankerous and difficult person. How do you treat people who work for you, your contractors? Do you treat them fairly? Do you pay them on time and and treat them as they should be treated? What sort of films are you watching? On your computer, what sort of videos are you watching? You see, these days it will come out. Your skeletons will come out with with all these all these um, cookies and things like this that track what you're doing. You might say, "I don't want cookies," but they'll they'll come onto your computer and they'll track what. And it'll come out sooner or later if you've been watching this or that thing. I was at a conference once, and uh, the speaker said. God can make sure that the wardrobe door opens and the skeleton falls out. In that expression, the skeletons in the wardrobe. They're come out sooner or later. If you if you're leading a double life, you might be able to maintain a pretense for a while, but eventually it will come out. How much alcohol are you consuming? You might try to keep it hidden for a while, but it won't keep hidden forever. How do you drive your car? That's a good one, isn't it, for some of us? Some of us turn into monsters as soon as we're behind the wheel. <laughs> drive with consideration. Somebody pulls in front of you? Well, I'll get there a bit. I'll get there five seconds slower. Never mind. Do go forward. <laughs> we should be Christians. We should be gentlemen and gentlewomen, shouldn't we, as we drive? What do you write on social media? You know, sometimes you can get the nicest person but writes the most horrific stuff. On, you get that person on Twitter or something like that. Oh, the horns come out. No, we should be kind and gentle and, 
and, and, and honest in what we say. So let us remember that, that we, we, we need to be careful not to, not to cause offense, not to, not, we need to just remember that verse again. Our aim, we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. Let us seek to live in a way which nobody can legitimately find offensive. Of course, there will be some who take offense for wrong reasons. We know that. But let us be careful not to act in such a way as gives people an excuse to take offense at us. Well, what should we do if we, we've been made to feel a bit uncomfortable by what I've said this morning? Maybe there are a few skeletons in our cupboards and we feel a bit worried about them. What should we do? Well, the first thing, of course, is to, is to check that you really are converted. Sometimes these people who, who fall into these scandalous sins, you know, this pastor who had a secret affair and then it all comes out and then he commits suicide it's happened it happened a few years ago a banner of truth preacher conference speaker couldn't speak at the conference because he'd, he'd done himself in it happens but is it because you've never been converted could it be that you've never been born again could that be it You've been living a life, you've been living a lie, pretending to be a Christian. Everybody says, oh, he's a Christian, be baptized. Oh, look, he's a good, good man, good woman. But you know, in your heart, actually you've never really been born again. You know that you don't really know the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't really enjoy God. You don't really enjoy church. You just go through the motions, but you don't. Your heart isn't in it because your, your heart's not being born again. You're not, you're not being renewed. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So could it be that maybe there are these secret sins lurking in your heart because you've never been born again? Well, go to God. Confess your skeletons to him. Confess your sins to him. Say to him, I need to be saved. Oh, please save me. Please give me that new heart. If I've never truly trusted you, save me today. But then, maybe you are born again, but maybe what's happening is, you, you, you can remember times when you really loved the Lord, you really served the Lord, but what's happening is that these weeds of sin are growing up in your life. They're starting to choke the word of God in you. What should you do? Well, repent. Kill off sin. Remember that word we saw? Uh, earnest, which I said really means diligent. Keen, on the game. Be like Titus, who, who's on top of his game, who's, who's dealing with sin in his life. Deal with, be like um, this other brother who has who been found to be earnest in many matters. Be keen as a Christian. You see, really 
big scandalous sins don't start as big scandalous sins. You don't start as a child abuser, physically. You don't start with that. What you start at is somebody who looks at pornography. In fact, it might be somebody who's not even looking at pornography with children. It's just, just ordinary adult heterosexual pornography. And then you get addicted to that, and then, you, and then you get more and more depraved as time goes on. And then you, you, you start to get into deeper and more sinister pornography. And then, of course, you think, well, you want to do what you've been fantasizing about. So you need to cut sin off before it goes too far down the road. Repent quickly. Don't sort of say, oh, well, one of these days I will do something about that sin. No. If you're aware of something in your life, kill it quickly before it goes any further. Same with murder. You don't start off saying, right, I'm going to murder somebody. No. What happens is there's bitterness. There's resentment. There's hatred. And that feeds and that feeds and that feeds and that feeds. And then it becomes murder. Yeah, I never wanted to murder anybody. Said, no, you didn't. But you, you didn't kill off the bitterness, the resentment. And then you landed up losing a temper, assaulting somebody or worse. Killing you didn't. Maybe you didn't mean to, but you did. So we need to kill off sin quickly. And positively, we need to take the means of grace. You know, so I think sometimes when, when I say about you need to be at more meetings than one a week, you know, I think, I think the danger is people think, oh, Henry just wants more numbers. <laughs> you know, of course there's always a danger that that's the case. I've got to be careful, you know. Of course, I'd love to have a church full of people morning and evening and a church full of people midweek. So I've got to, you know, okay, I declare an interest. I've got an interest. I want you all here because it makes me feel good. Now, having said that, it's good for you. The danger is I don't say it because you say, oh, they'll, they'll say Henry's got an interest. No. The thing is, I have observed it again and again. The Christian, the professing Christian who has landed up in prison, and I'm afraid to say I've known more than one personally, was the one who would only come once on a Sunday, if you were lucky, or maybe once a fortnight, once every three weeks. And I remember saying to one of these people who, he said, of course, I never took my Christian life very seriously. I thought I could manage on just one a week. You see, the thing is, if you don't actually take the means of grace, you're walking on thin ice. I know some of us can't do more than once a week because we're too old and too infirm. And, and, you know, you come out once on a Sunday morning and that's it. You're finished for the week. Understood. And the Lord will, will undertake. But is that true for all of us? I don't think so. I suspect that for many of us, we think, well, I... You know, I want to do my shopping. I want to do my. I want to get ready for the next coming week. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, hang on a minute. What about your Christian life? What about being strong as a Christian, so that you don't fall into one of these scandalous sins? You might say, "Oh, that would never happen to me." Don't be too sure. So, take the means of grace in order to to be strong as a Christian.
Well, I hope and pray that what we've seen this morning will be helpful for us all, both in terms of the practicalities of, of you know, the nuts and bolts of raising funds and handling money in the church and, and you handling your, the, your giving, both for the church here and outside the church, but also that, that the Lord would use it to speak to us about our, our lives generally. Well, could we sing a hymn, for, which is a prayer that God would help us to, to, um, to know him and serve him better? Um, 811. Oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm.